the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You may have heard a saying like this, if you want to get a crop, you've got to sow some seed. Well, Jesus says something very similar to that in John chapter 12, and we'll get to that on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, along with Bert Harper, and we are in the Gospel of John, and we're so honored that you're listening. Uh, This is the American Family Radio Network, and we teach the Bible on Exploring the Word. Then later on in the program, we get to calls and Bible questions. If you have a Bible question, we would love to hear from you later today. But Bert, it's good to be with you. You know, in uh, John 12, 23 and following, Jesus says the hour is come and he knows that just in a matter of days he'll he'll be crucified, he'll be buried, but he'll rise from the dead. And he makes an interesting kind of reference in verse 24, unless a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. There's an analogy between the seed and a crop and Christ's death and resurrection and the salvation of people in the church, isn't there? It is a beautiful illustration, and he uses it so well. And again, we find out that through his death, he has victory. Uh, Where Satan and others considered it just horrible, you you know, that, that he would live, they wanted to put to death, crucify him, crucify him, which was wrong. But God would take the tragedy that was planned and work good and much fruit. One thing about the hour has come in verse 23. Look down in the last part of verse 27. For this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, mm. again, yes. this specific time, what an opportunity. Je- this, is, this is Jesus in control I know I make a big deal out of that every time, Alex, but it is a big deal that, you know, you do not take my life from me. I lay it down freely. And so the whole idea here is Jesus, as this is the last week of, again, as you said yesterday, it's amazing here. The rest of the book of John is about the last week and then, uh, you know, the time that he would ascend a little bit time after that. But that is the whole case. So this hour has come for him to lay down his life, and that would produce more life. Just like a grain a seed in the, in the soil dying and then bringing life. Now, Alex, I just got to tell this story. It's about me. I'm kind of a hyper kind of a guy, and I've been that way for all my life. Back then, you're, we you're, didn't. You're energetic. I am energetic, but I went to vacation Bible school. We had daytime Bible school, and what Jay would do, the teacher would get a cup and then put some dirt in it, and then you would drop a seed in it. It was usually a butter bean, the one that I went to, and right. and so you were supposed to leave that butter bean in the soil, and by Friday, when the time had come for us to go go home, guess what? That butter bean had already died, and it had sprouted, as we call it, and it was pushing up. Mine never did because I was always digging down in the dirt to see what had happened to the butter bean. Mm. And so that I thought about that when you said that. Jesus remained there three days, three nights. You know, there was that time of death in the grave, in the tomb, his body but yet he would rise up and and he would bring many unto the Father through that death and resurrection. That verse 24 is a beautiful verse about what God accomplished through Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. Well said. And and by the way, your your energy is good. It's contagious because <laughs> we need to be uh, all about the Lord, don't we? We do, and it, it is exciting. It, if uh, I, I say this, and I say it truthfully, God is amazing who he uses. And, uh, you know, people that you think, well, what did they offer? God is amazing in what he does and how he can use people. Uh, and so here it is. Here's the challenge. Be saved, come to Christ, ask him to save you, and then open your life and say anywhere, 
anything, anytime, Lord, I'm willing. And just let him lead you. I'll tell you, it's Amen. a life worth living, isn't it, Alex? Well, it really is. Hey, I got to say this. You know, when Jesus talks about a, a corn of wheat or you know, a seed, a, a, a seed for wheat, a seed for corn or whatever, or a butter bean. And I remember growing a little plant in a paper cup back in <laughs> kindergarten and elementary school. But it goes, and honestly, as, as I'm sure you, you might remember from science class, the seed really dies. Yeah. And uh, then it germinates, and then it pierces through the topsoil, and you've got a crop. Well, in Isaiah 52 and 53, and we've done the book of Isaiah, but it, talking about the Messiah, very messianic passages, Isaiah 52, 15, says, He will sprinkle many nations. And many commentators have said, and I think they're correct, it refers to the purifying and the cleansing of the nations. But then it says in Isaiah 53, I'm trying to remember, I think it might be Isaiah 53, 5, but it says, who shall, Isaiah 53, 8, I'm sorry, who shall declare his generation? Meaning, this Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to purify many nations, and his generation or the people that will be uh, brought into relationship with him, it's just immeasurable. Who can declare how many born-again believers there have been or will be? Nobody. Only God knows. It's so innumerable. Now, that I said that to say this. Bert, one of my favorite holidays is Thanksgiving, which, of course, we just celebrated last week. One of the things I would do growing up on the farm, uh, we grew a lot of turnip greens, collard greens, and yes, uh, we Southerners eat turnip greens. We do. <laughs> now, you know what a, me a cup measurement, I'm, I'm sure, Jan, in the kitchen, you got measuring cups. Right, a we sure do. All right, imagine a cup, uh, which is not a, a large measuring thing. All right, mustard seeds, which are tiny, or collard greens, or turnip greens, they're like, basically like grains of sand. My dad and I, we would get a cup enough seed that you could easily hold it in your hands and it would grow two two and a half acres of greens <laughs> and we would cut those and we the reason i think about it at thanksgiving my hands get cold thinking about it we'd go out at thanksgiving and and cut turnip greens and collard greens take them to the store and you you think a, a cup measurement is pretty small right and yet it would yield and this is 35 40 years ago $3,000 worth of revenue, and wow. we'd be out there brushing the frost off of the greens to take them at Thanksgiving to the market. Now, here's my point. One man died and rose, and it changed the whole wide world. Brothers and sisters, you share one seed of gospel truth, and you have no idea the windfall of impact that it will have. Amen, Alex. And and so, like Jesus, now, we don't have to die for our sins because he did that. We couldn't die for our sins. But you know what? We can die to our apathy, and we can die to our silence and our disobedience and our uh, whatever. You know, whatever is standing between you and everything the Lord wants to do through your life, if we will lay our lives down, and Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15, that I die daily, it will, verse 24, bear much, much fruit. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it? It is. And look what he follows up with in 25 and 26. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now, Alex, again, he is showing the benefit of him over the other direction. Whatever direction that would be in, other than Christ, say, well, I'm not trying to get money. No. Or is it power? Is it pleasure? All these things lead you astray. And just like you said, Alex, about concerning those things, we need to die to them. If we would live for Christ, you're going to find your life, lose your life in Christ and you'll find the greatest life ever. And, and so, Alex, notice the word here. It is eternal life. Uh, 
that's not, not talking about a time frame. It's not, to, as, as someone said, it's not just quantity, it is quality. Eternal life is, when does it begin? It begins at the point of salvation. It does not begin at our death. It, it, amen. Be, and, and so it's a quality of life. Uh, John 10.10 10 talked, it was the abundant life. And so, so, Alex, when Jesus is speaking to this, when he says here in verse 24 about life that is produced because of his death, it is a life worth living. And so mm-hmm. I, I got a feeling we we have some people who are listening today, and they're wondering, what's, what is it worth in this life? Because they've had difficulty, heartache. There may be some incarcerated. Uh, maybe it's happened that your spouse has just left you and deserted you. You may have gotten a, a, a diagnosis of, of cancer. Whatever it is, you say, well, man, life is tough. Jesus Christ came he came to give us eternal life. And Alex, again, it is a quality that even when we go through the harshest, most difficult time, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Never leave Amen. us nor forsake us. He's going to go with us through it. He doesn't leave us or forsake us, does he? He doesn't. He doesn't. And uh, by the way, after Jesus shares these things, I've always thought that 28 and 29 are very fascinating because, you know, Bert, a number of times in the Word of God, it says that the voice of the Father spoke from heaven, you know? Uh, it, it, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And Luke 9:35, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. Okay, Jesus is saying, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause I came to this hour. Remember the incarnation. Now, was Jesus uh, not wanting to die for our sins? No, but he was fully God, fully man. As God the Son, ready, willing, and able to pay the atonement for our sins. But in his humanity, absolutely obedient to the Father, but... Uh, You know, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours. But he says in verse 27, for this cause I came to this hour. Now, Bert, when we get back, we're going to see something, I believe, fascinating recorded from verse 28 and 29. I agree with you. Matter of fact, he says, glorify your name. That is the whole idea that God gets the glory through his birth, his life, and even his death. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after the break. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Allison Barkoff at the Department of Health and Human Services. She provides advice on issues affecting people with disabilities and older adults. 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 and 2 reminds us of the importance of honoring our elders. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Allison Barkoff in her work at HHS. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. No matter how much a gracious host wants to make you feel at home, a gracious guest always remembers that they're not at home. Dr. Tony Evans says the same is true for Christians living in an increasingly hostile world. He'll explain as we spend two minutes with Tony. If you travel, you have a passport. You can go to other countries with your passport. That passport will identify you. That passport says, I'm visiting. I'm not a citizen here. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you became a citizen of heaven. He does not expect you to leave your passport at home when you go to work, when you go to play, when you hang out with your friends, when you go to the bank. He does not expect you to leave your passport at home 
pretending that you don't belong to your homeland. You are part of the kingdom of heaven. When you're not in heaven, because we're not in heaven right now, that means that right now we have to carry our passport on the locations of earth that we happen to be because this is not our kingdom. This is a foreign country we're visiting for a certain limited period of time. See, what a lot of Christians want to do, they want to be here without a passport. But if you lose your passport, you've lost your legitimacy. You've lost the official documentation of where you really belong. Becoming a citizen of God's kingdom begins by trusting in the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross to free us from sin and guarantee an eternal future in heaven. To learn more, visit TonyEvans.org and click on the Jesus link in the top menu. Tony has a short video that'll explain everything and some free resources that outline the next steps. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God in an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. American Family Radio. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for revival in our own hearts and across the land. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. We really do enjoy being with you this hour each afternoon. Some of you are in your car. Some of you are at your desk. Some of you are in the truck. Uh, no matter where you are, we're glad you have that radio turned on. And Alex and I are glad to be sharing this behind the, the microphones here at AFR. Alex, here's what, notice verse 27. I know we need to continue on, but notice he, what he doesn't say now. This is one of Alex McFarland's things. He, what does it not say? And I love it when you do that, and you'll go through three or four things. And here, mm-hmm. I just want to use one. He doesn't say, what shall I do? He says, right. what shall I say? He knew to came and to do the Father's will. And so I, I pray that all of us, you who are listening, Alex and myself, we would do the Father's will. And it may be difficult. Jesus is saying, here, my soul is troubled. This is a troubled time, and like you said, in his humanity. But he didn't say, I'm not going to do. I wanted to know what to say. He came to do the Father's will. Therefore, in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Alex, we can shout loud, and that's good. We can pray and sing great songs, which is good. Doing the Father's will brings him glory more than anything else. Exactly. And, and the most joyful, the, the most at peace, the most fulfilled, and I'm just going to say the happiest we'll ever be is when we're living for the glory of God. And, and, you know, skeptics can say, you know, well, so is God, you know, uh, wrong to say, worship me, glorify me. No, because as the foundation of life, the very source of life, the most alive we ever are is when we're close to God and honoring God and glorifying God. And so there, there's a lot to say there. You know, when he says, what shall I say? It's really, you know, what is my response to what is set before me? Uh, there was a show many years ago, Mission Impossible, and it would always start, your mission, should you choose to accept it? is to do this, this, and this. Well, that's for every Christian, uh, to know the Lord, to make him known. Well, it goes on, and Jesus there in 28 says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by heard it and said it thundered, and others said an angel spoke to him. Now, here is really uh, a kind of a, a an indirect reference to the Trinity because Jesus says he and the Father are one. He came to do the Father's will. He knows the Father. So he says, Father, glorify your name. And the voice from heaven says, I have glorified your name. Isn't that something? Yes. The yes. Son glorified the Father. The Father glorified the Son. 
Why? Because like John 3.16, they are of the same nature or essence. And Bert, verse 29, some people there, some said it thundered. Uh, I bet it did. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, the voice of God, it, it, it will move the world. They knew it was heavenly, okay? Thunder, upward, heavenly, you know, in the first heaven. Angel spoken from heaven. They knew it was heavenly. And Alex, sometimes that's, I, I just, this is stretching it a little bit, but I think it's all right. It's like when I look outside and see a beautiful sunset, I think, look what God has done. I'm mm. in the fall, and we've just gotten through with the fall. And here in northeast Mississippi, where our headquarters are, it was a beautiful fall. The leaves turning beautiful colors. And and you'd go out and say, man, look what God has done. And so the whole idea is, what do you hear? What do you see? Sometimes, if you're not careful, don't put so much parameters on what can't happen or what can happen. Uh You'll miss God sometimes. Here it is, God speaking, and they weren't expecting it. Was that thunder? Was that angelic? No, it was God. Uh, Stay in tune with him. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. They know me. So, And how do you do that? Stay in the word of God. Stay prayed up. Serve him with gladness. And, Alex, I think we we can uh, get direction from God when we do that, brother. Well, we surely can. And, you know, uh, there's so much good here. I'm going to keep going. Uh, But look, there have been great revivals, and some said it was just emotion. No, it was the hand of God. America, some said it was just an economic political experiment. No, it was ordained by God. All right, the, the Father spoke. Some said it th- it was not just thunder, it was the voice of God. And so sometimes people are dismissive of what God does, but we want to acknowledge what God does. Very interesting. 30 and 31, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying what death he would die. Okay, now, verse 30. Jesus didn't need to get the reaffirmation of the Father to know that he was in God's will and going to be raised from the dead. The, the Scripture had promised, uh, Thou will not leave my soul in the grave, nor thy holy one to see corruption. Jesus, I don't think, had to worry that somehow or another he would be left in the realm of the dead. He says, look, this voice that says, I'm giving glory to the Son, he said, it, it happened not because of me. Jesus knew who he was in the Father, but for your sakes. Bert, I've always loved John 16, 11, where Jesus, just very calmly speaking of Satan, says, the prince of this world is judged. Now, in verse 31 of John 12, it says, the prince of this world is cast out. And it's the very same language that in Revelation says that Satan and the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire and into the outer darkness. Matthew 25, 30 mentions this too. Now here's the thing. You might say, well, it doesn't look like the devil's been cast out because the world's full of sin and evil. And it doesn't look like the prince of this world has been judged because there's all this bad stuff and evil. Let me say about the victorious reign of Jesus, it's as good as done. It's a done deal. Satan is, I think, frankly, the world's getting all the more violent because Satan knows his time is real short. I agree with you fully. And when I read this and with you speaking, it is so true. When God called Moses, he said, tell them that I am that I am have called you. And even the past, the present, the future, present with God. So it is as done as it could be. This is what's going to happen. It's like the the children of Israel going into the promised land. God had already given them the land. They needed to go in and claim it. Satan's ultimate judgment has been settled, and it will happen. So 
and God's victory has been won. We need to live in it. And so here it is, and notice verse 32, and if I'm lifted up, which is crucified from the earth, I'll draw all people to myself. Now, this people is the people groups. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It does not matter if you're Italian or Irish. It does not matter if you're Hispanic or if you're Canadian. Listen, all peoples will be drawn unto Christ Jesus. And I want to just tell you, this lifted up, I think it has two, not just crucified, but Alex, he's also going to be glorified. So I, I honestly believe verse 32 has this, although the crucifixion is the, because he's talking about his death, you know, and the grain, I, I think that is the connection. But in my mind, I can't help but think about the glorification because you remember what it says in Philippians that God has given him a name that is what? Above every name. He lifted the name of Jesus above all. So when I read verse 32, I am just overwhelmed with, with what happens in Christ Jesus, who he is, where he is, what he's going to do, and what he's going to do for us. Because you go back to that verse in verse 24, it produces much grain. Listen, mm-hmm. we want to be a part of that that he produces, don't we? Amen. Amen. Do you know, uh, Bert, have you ever been somewhere and maybe there's uh, um, an elderly little old lady and maybe the, the pastor will say, that's one of my prayer warriors. That's yeah. one of the most powerful people in this church. Yes. All right. Let me just say, folks, you're a born-again believer. The Spirit of God dwells in you, and you're led by the Lord, and you're quickened by the Spirit, and you can speak truth. You have no idea how powerful your life is, and I want to illustrate this. Uh <laughs> The world might be dismissive of Christians or churches or the little old lady who gets with two others and has a prayer meeting. Uh, That potentially is the most powerful person in your city. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And, And we often think about this. Okay, Christ was crucified on Mount Calvary. And to this day, the world looks to Jesus who went to the cross for our sins and People are drawn to Jesus, and that, that's true. But the word there, draw all men to me, is a, an ancient word that it, it does mean to pull along or draw or compel people to come, but it means to unsheathe. And the implication is, it's a Greek word, that uh, a warrior who unsheaths his sword, he pulls the weapon out of its place for victory. And let me just say, dear Christian, whoever you are, you might be young, you might be not so young, you as a tool in the hand of Jesus can change the world. Because not only has the the Spirit of God drawn you to Christ, of course, but God has unsheathed you. You are his tool in God's hand. You are. Isn't that something, Bert? That's why, you know, look, Uh, Hollywood has more money. The media might think they can shout more loudly, but we have got the gospel. There's an empty tomb. We've got prayer. We've got scripture. We've got the sanctioning and the blessing of Almighty God. It's not even a fair fight. God has unsheathed his church to go out there and change the world. Amen. And we want you to make sure you're a part of that, and you do that by trusting Jesus. It's not by works. It's not by giving such amount of money. It is trusting him, coming to the place in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner, that there's absolutely nothing that you can bring to the table to offer Jesus and saying, I'm worthy of eternal life. I'm worthy of of heaven. No, you come to him, admit how lost you are, a sinner condemned and you know that and you repent pen of that and say god i don't want to go my way i go your way i turn from my way i turn from my sin i turn to you and ask you to save me because you died and you was buried and you rose again and i trust you for the rest of my life if you need help in making that decision you still have more questions there's a partner that we ask you to call you can reach them triple eight need him 
888-NEED-HIM. And they'll talk with you, they'll pray with you, and help you. Because I want to tell you just what Alex said about this issue. It is God unleashing his sword. And I want to tell you, it's powerful. And in a, it, later on in this passage, he's going to talk about judgment. And he's going to say, I'm first a savior but if you reject the Savior, then you must meet him as judge. Now, Alex, I, yeah. I want to meet the Lord Jesus as my Savior, not as Amen. my judge, because I've already guilty, and all he does is declare the judgment because the penalty. Because if we haven't trusted him, we stand before him condemned already, don't we? We do. You know, people have asked the question. We've had it on this program. Uh, why does God send people to hell? And that's really not the answer. People send themselves to hell. God doesn't, I mean, the the arms of the Lord are open saying, whosoever will may come. Yes. And people, people pour the judgment on themselves uh, by rejecting the, the way of forgiveness and salvation. Well, verse 33 and on, uh, he had said these things because he was going to die. And the people uh, said, we have heard out of the law that Christ abides forever. And how do you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And again, we've talked about the fact that Son of Man, the Son sent from the Father, Jesus used this term of, of himself um, really 82 times. So they've trying to reconcile these things. The, the Messiah, his reign is eternal. So why are you saying you're going to die on the cross? Bert, verse 34, it was, uh, I guess they call it a moment of cognitive dissonance, you know? It is. And Alex, he, he says this, and they said, who is the son of man? <laughs> I want to yeah. say, he's right there before you. He, he's the one, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And so it says in 35, then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you, he who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Now, listen, what he does here, the theme of John, the three things that really goes, the three L's, love, light, and life. And here in this last part of John, uh, public discourse that Jesus had. The rest of it will be private discourse in the rest of John. He declares that he is the love, the life, and light. No one, don't stay in darkness, come to the light. Jesus is declaring that he who walks in the light will have light. Alex, we want people to respond to that light of Jesus, don't we? We do. And folks, the number, here's this number, 888 589-8840. If you want to call in with a Bible question, we're going to, right after this brief break, open up the telephone lines. Call us. 888-589-8840. We're back after this. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. The core of all of the difficulty that we endure here as human beings, it comes down to this. God's word or man's word. One of the major features that has contributed to this degradation of society in our country, in America in particular, is that we have lost our understanding of the transcendent, surpassing glory of God. Tune in to The Hamilton Corner, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Persecuted Christians in China, they're beaten, jailed, and threatened with death, and they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and just outside of Beijing, 12-year-old Ming became a believer after learning English as a second language through a program from Bible League because the Bible is the source of the reading assignments. Ming would lead her father, Daiku, a Confucianist to Christ, but her bitter atheist mother has turned them in for attending a house church near their home. We're not sure what's going to happen to these two, but they remain faithful in worship, and they're praying for Bibles because in their church of 200, there's only about three 
three Bibles. Many are known to stay after the service to write down some scriptures just to have something to take into their week. And 50-year-old Katsu, beaten and jailed many times as a pastor, he led his atheist interrogator to Christ. Together they've seen thousands come to Christ. They need Bibles in China. So in this season of giving, will you remember the persecuted church in China and around the world at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20? Call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. One morning, Elisha's young servant went out first thing and saw the Syrian army surrounding Elisha's hometown. The servant was racked with fear and cried out to Elisha, What will we do? Elisha said, Don't be afraid. There are more with us than are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open this young man's eyes. The servant then saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. As opposition mounts in our lives, fear not. The Lord who is in us and with us is greater than the hostility present in the world. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Exploring the Word is back, 888-589-8840. By the way, if you ever check out the website, AFR.net, as in AmericanFamilyRadio.net, lots and lots of great programming archive there, and you can you know share a link and share the shows with uh, somebody. And so we just appreciate your listening, and we just hope all of this content, whether it be Exploring the Word and the, the Scripture or the great news coverage from a biblical, truthful, factual perspective, hope it's a blessing to you. But, Bert, we're going to go to the phone calls and take questions at this point. We sure are. We've got one or two lines open, so get you. we're going to answer them as quickly as we can to get as many calls as we can today. Let's go to North Carolina. That greatest state of North Carolina. Uh, Randy, welcome. Thank you, sir. Go ahead. You, we're glad you're on today. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, thank you. Yeah, quick question. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, I believe it's verse 4 through 6. Um, so I don't remember verbatim, but basically it says, it talks about how it's impossible to restore certain individuals who have, who back to repentance, who have uh, fallen away. Um, and my question is, are these are, are, are they speaking about individuals who... Okay, we got it, Randy. Thank you for your call, brother. We appreciate it. Alex, we get this quite often, Hebrews 6. And let me make a broad statement, and then you go into the nitty-gritty of it and answer as soon as, as quick as we can. But... Uh, let me say this, Randy, if you're looking for some specific verses that are difficult uh, to know, this is one of them. There's others that way. But what you do to go to scriptures like this, you look for those that are clearer to demonstrate and bring that to this table uh, because it says, no one will pluck them out of my father's hand, John chapter 10. And, and again, uh, Paul said, I'm persuaded that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you bring this to the table and you look at Hebrews chapter 6 and you look at these verses, uh, the word tasted sometimes is a word that some people look at. Another one is if it were possible. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying if this were possible, but the alternative, it's not possible. Alex, go ahead. Well, you know, a lot of the key is in verse 6. If they fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves afresh the Son of God. All right, here's the question. If you're born again, could you lose it and be unsaved again? Or is this talking about being at the point of salvation and opening up and coming in? Now, I, I want to say this lightly. I, I think those that fall away 
are those that never really were saved in the first place. Um, I believe in what sometimes is called the eternal security of the believer. But, Bert, let me just lay this out here. Uh, To be saved, there's a lot that the good Lord has done to bring people to the point of salvation. Um, You're aware of your sin. You're aware of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God has prepped and primed your heart, and all you need to do is trust. Now, the one thing God won't do to get you saved is he will not override your free will. God will offer, open your eyes, make you aware. But to be a legitimate relationship with God, there has to be a moment where you put your trust in Jesus. And Burke, um, I think Hebrews 6, 6 is talking about those that have, it's almost like, you know, Agrippa, who's almost persuaded but not willing to believe. And that's why we say, Trust Christ. You may never know that you'll have this particular moment again where you're you're willing, you're able, you understand. You could call on Christ right now this minute. Well, why not? Do it. Um, an hour from now, you might be in eternity. So, Bert, I, I, I don't think this is talking about saved who lost it. I think it's people that are under conviction but reject it. I would too. Again, comparing scripture to scripture, listen to first John chapter two, verse 19. They talking about people that were following the antich- the antichrist, many antichrists have come into the world. So it's not talking about future, the antichrist talking about right now. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Listen, make sure you're saved. That's the whole idea. The first part you do, and you've heard this, and Alex and I try not to use it because it's been abused, I think. Once saved, always saved. What you want to make sure of is once saved, that there's been a time in your life where Jesus Christ has become Lord of your life, not a temporary fix, not something that you're bargaining with God, but it's complete surrender. I got to go ahead and say this. World War I, when it ended, it was conditional surrender, Alex, you know? So guess mm-hmm. what? World War II happened, and it was based upon what had happened because of World War One ending with conditional surrender. After World War II, it was unconditional surrender of the Nazi regime. It was the unconditional surrender of the imperialist in Japan. And guess what? Germany and Japan have become some of our strongest friends you catch it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and this is what we do. It's not a, a conditional surrender of my life to Christ. I come to Christ and I say, Lord, I'm yours now and forever. No conditions on it. I love you. I've trusted you. Save me. And so I pray that you've done that. I, uh, uh, Randy, thank you so, so much. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Lee. Lee, welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I really do enjoy your program. I called uh, about three weeks ago and ran out of time in the show. My questions uh, come from Mark 8, uh, verses 22 through 26. It's where Jesus takes the blind man out of the city and spits on his eyes and heals his uh, vision. My first question is, is, why did he have to go out of the city and do it secretly? And the second part that's really got me kind of thinking is, I, you know, I believe God speaks it and it happens. But why did he have to do it twice? The first time he healed him, he said, asked him what he saw, and he saw men walking around like trees. And then it says he had to spit on his eyes again and, and heal him twice. What What exactly? I really want to know what am I what am I supposed to be learning from that or know from that? <laughs> Amen. I, let me say this: This is one of those verses I love as well, Lee. It it intrigues me uh, in so many ways. Let me get to the bottom line. You trust him no matter what. Uh, Sometimes when we leave Christ, there's some confusion. I know when I was saved as a 12-year-old boy, I knew I was saved, but there was some confusion in my life that I needed to stay with God. There were some things here, Alex. uh, You got to trust God all the way, don't you? Well, you do. And, you know, I've wondered if this is, if. You know, the first amount of vision is like salvation, but then the clarity that comes with it, you know, where he goes on and he sees clearly, if that's almost like Christian growth. 
Um, certainly there's a lot of things that you discern more thoroughly after years of being in the Word of God. Um, I, I can't definitively say that I completely know all of this. Why did they go outside the city? They were at, I think, what, Bethsaida? Yes. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit um, incognito because, you know, th- there were mobs already wanting to forcibly make Jesus Messiah. I mean, Christ had to keep everything on the timetable. So, you know, sometimes he would do a healing. He would say, don't tell anybody, and then go and show yourself to the priest. So while they were outside the city, it might have been related to just keeping things in order and not letting the crowds get ahead of the the plan of God. But there was the initial healing and he could see a little bit and then a second touch from God and he could see absolutely clearly. This may not be a perfect correlation, Bert, but the more we encounter the touch of God, the more we know, the more clearly we see, the deeper our faith goes. That's at least one lesson we might learn from it. I agree fully. Let me just say this about going outside, not telling anyone. Yeah, I think we answer that in John 12 today when Jesus said the hour has come. Uh, the reason Jesus said don't tell anyone, he didn't need bigger crowds. He already had enough following him, and he was on this timetable. And also, he's not only controlling the calendar, he is he he would even disperse the crowds, Alex. You know, when they got big. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Jesus is in control all the way through this. Thank you so much for that call, Lee. Let's go to Cole in Oklahoma. Welcome, Cole. Hello, how you doing, brothers? Uh, really appreciate what y'all do. God bless you. Hey, I had a question about 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Does not common sense itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? I just had a question about um, what Paul meant by that. Thank oh, you. Okay, this is in Corinth. Let me just say this, and I remember studying this at Blue Mountain College with my professor, Dr. James Travis, and he would say, in Corinth... Uh, the women who long, wore the long hair, they were identified with the women who were at the temple. They were the temple prostitutes. A lot of this has to do with identity. That's the whole key here, I believe, with all my heart, Cole, identity. Clothes that you wear, everything, the facial features, the hair, make your identity known. Go ahead, uh, Alex. Yeah, and, and the word there in 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 um, is... is the English translation says it's a dishonor to him or a disgrace, and it really means uh, an inappropriate use. Now, again, in our culture, Bert, people think they are their own. You know, well, it's my body, my choice, and I will live like I want to live. That's the mindset, the attitude of the world today. But um, for a man to dress like a woman, for uh, ostensibly a child of God to present themselves like a temple prostitute, that's a dishonorable or, quote, inappropriate use. Because even our persona, you know, we are who we are. But, Bert, I think we're to remember that we're representatives of God. That's why, you know, uh, when I got saved in college, there were a a few T-shirts that I threw away. Because yeah. they, they had things on them that weren't appropriate for a Christian to wear around anymore. There was a bunch of my record albums I threw away. Not all of them. I kept the Beatles and the Beach Boys. <laughs> but there was a whole lot of other stuff. I th- you know. So yeah. um, there's appropriateness for the Christian. Remember, you and I talked about a little booklet that used to circulate, Others May, You Cannot. Yeah. Do you remember that little I booklet? Do. I do. Well, Alex, let me add this to the whole idea, and this is very prominent today, your identity. Transgenderism, no, you have an identity that God has given you, male or female. God has given you an identity as a married person. Therefore, adultery, fornication is out of it. The whole idea, we identify with Christ. We need to live like it. We need to be a part of it and make it a part of our life. And that's what was happening in Corinth uh, they they were they were identifying with a wrong group, and you don't want to do that. Well, let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Mary. Mary, welcome. Hi, um, I was just calling to encourage um, Alex in the last uh, 
hour of the fall share us on um you were with um abraham Ham- hamilton the third and rick green and I remember. Um, and it uh, i wanted to encourage you with proverbs twenty seven seventeen. And as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And when you were together, it was just so encouraging. Oh, and Bert, um, I was listening. I'm sorry. And Bert, I was listening to you and Nathan on Sunday. And would you all pray for the um, the children's home in Haiti? And also, there's an orphanage in um, Kenya called New Hope Orphanage. Could Amen. you pray? For the kids there. Absolutely. In Kenya and Haiti, right, Mary? Kenya and Haiti. Um, oh, okay. I listened to you on Sunday, and you and Nathan um, had interviewed yeah. a, a children's home there in um, Haiti. That's right. That's right. But, we, but there's uh, another one in Kenya. Okay, we're going to do that, Kenya and Haiti. Alex, Alex, uh, Nathan and I on Exploring Missions, we talked about this. And, again, it's on the weekends, too, one time on Saturday and one on Sunday. Father, I pray that you would be with these children. Father, what a ministry it is. Jesus would not let the children be turned away from him. He insisted that they have a a way to come. And, Father, we have missionaries that are working in Kenya and Haiti and around the world that are taking the gospel to Jesus Christ. Some of our best friends we know are are ministering in India right now, ministering to those children that's been thrown away, basically, by their society, and they're there leading them to Christ. Father, thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, thank you. You have really blessed me today and blessed Alex, I know. Uh, Alex, we're going to try to get this in. Edwin from Iowa, uh, state your question real quick, and Alex will respond. It's going to be quick. It's just about salvation before the cross and after the cross. I know before the cross, Jesus healed only two Gentiles, but then the Jews pretty much rejected him as being the Messiah, so he opened it up for the rest of the Gentiles to be saved. But will we all be together in the same Alex, Edwin? go ahead. Edwin, thank you for that great call. Oh, go ahead, great. Alex. Got about a yes. minute. You know, Habakkuk chapter 2 says that we are justified by faith. So all of the pre-Calvary believers, the, the saints of old, and even those that knew Jesus on earth but before Mount Calvary, they put their faith, their trust. Now, Jesus healed some, not all, but the, the healings were to show his deity, his messiahship. But salvation has always been by faith in the Messiah that would come, the Messiah that did come, the Messiah whose name is Jesus. It was true in the garden. It was true in the wilderness. Uh, Yes, it is by grace through faith that we're saved, no matter when, where, or how, and trust Christ. And so, man, thank you for that great call. Alex had some great calls today, brother. And we did. And folks, we thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word. We hope you'll tell somebody about the show. Keep us in prayer. Pray for America. Hey, you know, Christmas is coming. Great time to tell people about the Lord. Tell somebody about the show, but most of all, please tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.